Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Music of Moonsaults. I am your host, Chris Bordine, and joining me today, he's the uh, the overlord of Fightful Overbooked. <laughs> he uh, he ain't no ball and chain. It's Joe Pearl. Ah, London's perfect. I love it. <laughs> That's the best intro I can have. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I, uh, dude, I'm stoked. Not only because of what we're talking about, but like when you and I get to sit down and talk about anything but wrestling yes that's even better like yes. we talk about wrestling that's fine but like i do it so much now that when mm -hmm. i get to talk about music which is like my one a and and one b or one and one a yep. wrestling and music yep this is this is bread and butter this is a nice change for me yes. so i'm glad that you you brought me back i appreciate it i love having these chats with you so uh yeah man let's let's get into it let's do it yeah uh no yeah i feel the exact same way i love uh yeah you know we're we're right there you know whereas you know with the 1a 1b thing with music and wrestling and it's 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 i enjoy having uh, these conversations with you so uh i sent uh in an effort to be prepared this year <laughs> i sent uh I, I sent joel quite an extensive spreadsheet of yep. <laughs> al potential albums uh towards the end of last year i'm like hey you know no pressure whatever just you know just let me know what what you might want to talk about next year. Uh, love to have you on, of course. And so you sent me your your list back, and and with even with all that preparation, we are like three days past the uh, anniversary date of the album we're talking about today. So eh, whatever. Eh. People people will find it when they find it, and they'll it hear happens. us talking about it. And exactly, it's still the twenty fifth anniversary Month. of the album. Yeah. Therefore. It doesn't matter when they see it, as long as they see it this year. In 2023, we're gonna take it down. That's it. Yeah, exactly. You can only exactly. can only see it for for this year. That's exactly. it. After that, it's over. Uh, okay. So we are we are talking today about uh, one of those albums that Joel said that hey, I really would like to talk about this was an album from the Offspring, Ixnay and the Ombre, which, as Joel just said, its 25th anniversary is this month, February 4th, 1997, was the release date. And also happens to be my wife's birthday is February 4th. There you go. So even more special for awesome. this. Awesome. Uh, happy birthday to Mrs. Pearl. Uh, so I just real quick. I mean, not real quick, actually. Uh, but <laughs> before we get started into the album itself, uh, what is uh, just tell me about your relationship with The Offspring. So The Offspring and actually this album specifically was probably my introduction to the offspring and from there i went into the back catalog because people were like you have to listen to smash you have to listen to ignition you have to listen to you know to, to everything that came before it but i kept coming back to ixnay because i just fell in love with almost every track on the album and i started keeping track of the band through Americana and then through Conspiracy of One, uh, even as far as uh, Rise and Fall, Raging Grace, because that album to me was like their return to form after being lost for so long. Like I'm not talking about Splinter. I'm not like I'm not really into that part of the the band when they really got into like we have to talk about you know Orange County. We had to talk about OC life all the time. Once they got out of that and went back to being like California punk slash pop punk rock mm -hmm. that's when i got back into the band and they had uh who who did rise and fall raising grace it was uh bob rock did the album okay and, oh, yeah that's right that's right and that was like he brought them back to form and that's probably the last time that i really paid attention to the offspring until fairly recently mm -hmm. but 
it always came back to two albums and that was Americana and this album, Ixnay on the Ombre. These were, these were my two favorite albums by the offspring. And I always come back to it and I always listen to them. All right. Yeah. They've always been like, uh, 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 a hits band to me like i'm 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 more yes. than than familiar with with the radio songs uh and i i'm pretty sure my dad had smash um <laughs> yes which is um which is why like so you, you said you wanted to and of course like i i know of the album but for like outside of of the one song we'll talk about like nothing up as opposed as opposed to the smash and americana like that's the one song like i don't remember any of the other three singles ever being played at least you know in the detroit toledo area where where i you know grew up in um and so it's kind of weird that like as you know like i said going back to smash like i remember kids in middle school with the t-shirts with the smash album cover on it like smash yes you know, iconic like and, and 94 in general is just people, you know, 91 is a crazy year. 94 is just a murderer's row when it comes to, to rock albums. Yes. hundred um, percent. And, uh, and it's like, but it's smash and dookie are kind of like the like cream of the crop, especially w- when it comes to bringing, uh, uh, punk more in, into the mainstream. And, you know, eventually it's kind of going to splinter off. And towards the end of the decade, we're going to get like the pop punk, uh, uh, wave, uh, coming in, but I just found it interesting. And then you know you go on to Americana, the the follow up album that comes out the following year. Obviously, that one had uh, like three huge songs, and so it's kind of yeah. kind of I found it kind of weird, uh, how this one just kind of as far as like in, in the in the in in my consciousness, I don't I don't want to speak for anyone else, but like this one kind of just gets lost in 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 the shuffle it does it and really I mean, does and even when you look at the, the the album sales which we'll get to like this one compared to smash and americana it's like it's really weird <laughs> i think with this with ixnay the popularity is that the the songs that were picked and the songs that that made it big quote unquote because americana is a completely different beast with with them um this was like the start of people seeing that they can write a hit song, that the mm-hmm. offspring can write a hit song. But the problem was the hit songs that they had were kind of downer, like in lyrics and in motif and in theme. Like mm-hmm. we'll get it. We'll talk about gone away. We'll talk about all I want. And like the songs are not happy songs. Yeah. They don't sound happy. The mm-hmm. lyrical content's not happy. And then you're going to get into Americana, which I'm sure next year when we're going to sit here again, and we're going to talk about it on that 25th anniversary. Yeah. And when we get there, uh, that, the, the singles that came out of that were were different. They were happier, but lyrical content was still like it was still low. It was still like sad lyrical content. But you take a song like "The Kids Aren't All Right" and it's just an angry song, but it's more upbeat than mm-hmm. "Gone Away." "Gone yeah. Away" is a sad funeral esque song, mm-hmm. whereas "All I Want," for example, is a more upbeat "The Kids Are Not All Right" type of song. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. What did I, did I say? The kids aren't all right. No, which song was I saying? No, you said that from Americana. I did you, say the kids aren't all right. Yeah, okay, yeah. jeez, yeah. my um, brain, my brain is all over the place. But yeah, yeah that, that that's kind of the big difference between those two records and the singles and the way they were kind of perceived in the mainstream uh, at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's their it's uh, Ixnay is their fourth studio album. 
it's their first on the major label, uh, Columbia. And maybe this, this kind of speaks to maybe why the album, as far as sales, didn't perform. Because uh, much like, you know, Green Day, when, when Dookie was released, it kind of... They sort of got a little bit of backlash from the fans at first for, you know, jumping to the major label um, until maybe until the uh, Dexter Holland kind of was like, well, well, here's why. Yeah. You want to explain that situation? Uh, No, no. If you want like, I I know you have the notes there. Yes. yes. Go, please. So they were on an independent label epitaph uh, up until this album and uh, the owner, uh, Brett. Gurowitz, uh, who was a guitarist for Bad Religion, is that correct? I, I think so. Yeah. I didn't have, I didn't write that down in my notes, but I'm pretty sure that's that's what I saw. Um, he kind of was like trying to like go behind the band's back and 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 sell sell the like distribution rights to Smash in exchange. Like basically, he would he would reap all the benefits, you know, from from the increased distribution from all these major labels. So they they find out they get you know they they're pissed and they end up signing with Columbia uh for less money just to get away from Epitaph which is nuts yeah because like Epitaph was that was the place where young punk bands were signing it was the place to be and then to get a major record deal that's huge like you wanted that you want to be pumped into the mainstream so yeah I, I'd let you continue that was that was kind of the belief yeah. at the time yeah um and then, you know, like I said, we're you know they're they're coming off a of smash, which you know peaked at number four, eleven million copies. It's the it was the highest. I don't know if it still is or not. The highest selling album released on an independent label uh, at the time, and uh, and that's going up. Like I said, nineteen ninety four is crazy, and we'll we'll talk about it probably in a couple of years. But like you got Super Unknown by Gr- Soundgarden, Vitalogy by Pearl Jam, uh, the. Weezer's Blue Album, uh, Purple by STP, just MTV Unplugged, Nirvana, like, 94 is crazy. And these are releases from monster bands who have already established themselves, too. Mm -hmm. So for The Offspring to come in and really, on their third major album, have some sort of success with Smash, that says something. And they only had, what, three or four songs that really made it that people really latched onto which is pretty big actually for for 94 yeah but uh that was at the time like that was that was the thing that's what started the breakout for the offspring people started seeing that this band had a lot of potential to continue what bands like what was going on in the grunge movement what they were bringing to the table yeah yeah and then again you fast forward to the next album americana peaks at number two and sold like 10 million copies so then yeah you look at ixnay by comparison, it peaked at number nine on its on its first week, which you know, top ten album that you can't beat that. But it's only sold three million copies, which is like that. Like that's just it's crazy. I get it. Yeah. It's also a short ass album. Well, yeah, it that, is. That was honestly, and that was another big leap for them from Ixnay to Americana was writing more lengthy songs that were not just old school punk length songs. Mm-hmm. They were challenged at that point to do something that would get them into mainstream radio. And again, yeah. when we sit down here in a year and we talk about Americana, we'll talk about we'll, we'll talk about Pretty Fly for a White Guy. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about the kids on our we'll talk about uh Why Don't You Get a Job, which was a monster hit for them too. Mm-hmm. And that's another song that had so much of an upbeat sound 
yet it was the, the lyrical content is so downtrodden. Yeah. But that's they became the kings of writing that type of tune. There's another tune off of Splinter, I think it is, um, that's called The Worst Hangover Ever. And it's like a ska song. It, it, it makes no sense, but it again, it just splits. Spare Me the Details is another one from Splinter. Right. And again, when we sit down and we talk about Splinter, when it gets to that, you know, whatever. Uh, right. Next next year, because Splinter released in 2003, so when we get to the 20th anniversary of Splinter and we talk there about that go. album. There you go. We'll talk about Spare Me the Details, which is like an acoustic sensibility song about cheating on somebody. being uh, Catching someone cheating. Ah. <laughs> so at a party. Go. And that's the lyrical content and the genius of the song structure of the offspring mm-hmm. is that they continue to make these tunes that are so upbeat, but have such like awful lyrical content, yeah. not the lyrics themselves, just what they're singing about. Mm-hmm. You feel for the characters that they're, that they're singing right. about. Well, even like, you know, fast forward even further, like you said, the Bob rock album, that's the one with, uh, um, you're going to go far kid, isn't it? Yes, it is. Like that's, and that's, I mean, that's like the ultimate, like, downer song with an upbeat in an upbeat it, it's a panic at the disco song with the with, it's a dance beat it's ridiculous yeah. it's such a good song too but the lyrical content is so down yeah. and that's what they do and they do it so well and it's it's gotten them real far and they didn't have that on, go far, on ixnay yeah exactly they went far kid <laughs> but they also but they they didn't have that on ixnay because ixnay they had the lyric the downer lyrical content and the downer music to go with it mm-hmm. there were songs that were very california punk mm-hmm. and there were songs that were upbeat but they were never it, it didn't it didn't emote the same way as, as as other songs did on later albums yeah yeah um so we'll we'll uh let's get into the album we're, we're gonna kick off with uh, a disclaimer <laughs> i love this shit this it's, is i love that they did this shit it, by the way I, it, when I first time I listened, I, like this, this popped me so much. Um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, so it's like this, this like over exaggerated like announcer voice guy going, uh, "This American Pie institution known as parental discretion will cleanse any sense of innuendo or sarcasm from the lyrics that might actually make you think, and will also insult your intelligence at the same time." <laughs> to so protect your family, this album contains explicit depict explicit b- depictions that's that's tough to say of things I'm which sure are do it a few times real <laughs> these real things are commonly known as life so if it sounds sarcastic don't take it seriously if it sounds dangerous do not try this at home or at all and it offends you just don't just listen don't to it. listen to it <laughs> and you put it all to a backbeat that's just like and the guitars are going it's a circus track yeah exactly as a disclaimer and it's so perfect and it sets up the album perfectly because Mm -hmm. it's sarcastic just like so much of the lyrical content of the album and it's it's cutesy and it's tongue-in-cheek but again it it may be a little bit ahead of its time uh or or not who knows but i I think it was more ahead of its time than anything else yeah and that leads right into uh the meaning of life which is a a a third the third single off the album and it feature it's featured in the movie tekken the motion picture i didn't even know they made a tekken movie me neither <laughs> i had no idea when you said that it was a single when you said that it was featured i was like in what Te- i don't remember a yeah movie well all. it's it's the only single that didn't uh i believe it did really well in australia but other than that i don't think it really did much here uh in the in the in the old states um, it existed it existed right 
Well, like I said, like gone away. Like I swear to God, until I started, you know, really listening to this album in preparation for this, "Gone Away" is the only song I've ever heard off of this album. I swear. May- really? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe I've heard some of the other ones before, but I know "Gone Away" was like, "Gone Away" was played so much, and because of the the t- you know it being so close to it, like I could, if you would have asked me before this, I would have swore it was on Americana. Because mm-hmm. it's like yep. right, right, the, you know, they're right next to each, you know, released a year apart, you know, or so. And I, re- uh, I mean, we'll get to it when we get to that song. But yeah, I, mm-hmm. other than that, I, I really didn't hear anything else off this album that I, that at least made any impression on me. So fair, yeah, I get it. Um, then we go to go. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say that song though. Meaning of life drives really yes. well. Yeah, it's same thing on the next album too where they get right into uh, when they do staring at the sun. Mm-hmm. Meaning of life reminds me of staring at the sun in just the way that it's formatted, the way that it sounds. I put the two together quite often. So I really like that song. Uh, we'll keep going with, uh, with Moda. Yeah. Moda. Uh, and th- this song features uh, this, the uh, keep them separated guy. And Oh and, yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same guy. Uh, Jason McLean. I didn't think about that. That's yeah. awesome. And so. it opens with that really cool drum uh, that, that really cool yeah. drum track. It's really good. And, I like that. From, I didn't look up the lyrics, but it sounds like it's basically about getting high and watching like old reruns. Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay. Mota like was Mota had to be something. It had, it had to mean something. Yeah, it had to. Oh, it's it's cannabis. It's pot. Okay. That's all well, there is. you go. That's yeah. that's legit what it, I just looked it up right now. There it is. Makes sense. Yep. Uh <laughs> California, baby. You got it. You got it. I just I love the the part in the second verse where he goes to buy some weed and he ends up realizing later on that he bought a bag of oregano. Oregano. Yes. That's I will never forget that. And sometimes I'll forget which song it was, but yeah, yeah it's absolutely a mota. That's such yeah. a good. Uh, yes. I love it. Uh Me and My Old Lady is next. Uh She ain't no ball and chain. This one it, it kind of feels like it's the like spiritual uh uh descendant of self-esteem almost oh good call you know it's kind of almost the same and i got a real and it's funny because i remember do you remember like in the early 2000s when like you know axel had axel rose had been saying for years that he was going to put out an album called chinese democracy and then like as like a, a a goof dexter holland was like no we're we're gonna name our next album chinese democracy and beat him to it but but I, yeah. I say that because this song gives me kind of like a G, like a rocket queen almost type of of vibe. It's got that same, yeah. similar groove to it. It does. It and it also has like it's a very distinctive kind of sound. It sounds a little bit more because it's it's in a minor key, so mm-hmm. it sounds a little bit more Middle Eastern or mm-hmm. even just like Asian influenced. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's it's just the the chord structure. It's very simple, but when I listen to it like just the way that it's structured, it makes me think that it's a Middle Eastern trope. But uh, yeah. yeah, the song itself is like again, it's so weird. Mm-hmm. Like me and me, me and my old lady uh, sit and sip on wine, mm-hmm. and I forget the re- I forget the rest of the lyrics. But there's the lyrics are not. There's nothing there. They just right. exist. Yeah. So yeah, the song the song otherwise though it's memorable mm-hmm. just by chord structure. Yeah. Uh, the next two songs I didn't really have much notes on. Uh, cool to hate, which it's cool title and leave it behind do you have anything on those two songs 
cool to hate is a really memorable song for me just because the, the lyrics are fun it's very simple yeah. uh you know i hate the jocks and i hate the geeks i yeah. hate uh, it's basically i hate myself yeah. but while well, he hates everything else uh and then it's cool yeah. to hate in the breakdown yeah uh leave it behind i don't i don't remember leave it behind it's yeah. just there it's a two minute song like it's just yeah. in and out mm-hmm. and then we we get we get to the song gone away i remember i was still making radio mixtapes at this time yep and i probably had various uh i don't count i had countless uh this song on you know i probably had like two or three tapes going and i never was organized with them so i'd forget what songs i already had so it'd be like oh i like this oh and then when i go back and listen to to them through of like oh that song's on there twice or i have it on like I'd come in in the middle and be like, ah, that's good enough. And but yeah, <laughs> Needless, Gone Away was on there multiple times. Uh, yep. it's, a, it's a great song. It is great. It is memorable. Four chords, some, simple, yeah. just easy. Just mm-hmm. get the bass in. Get, it's just, it drives well. And again, it's, it's a low song in that the lyrical content is very mushy and mm-hmm. it's downer, but it's such a good song. Mm-hmm. And it's so emotional. And I think you can really tell mm-hmm. that, that it's there. Yeah. And it's you know. like you know, it's a it's it's based on like a real experience, I guess. It's someone yeah. someone in, in Dexter's life that passed away that he wrote it about. So, have you heard the uh, the the Five Finger Death Punch cover of the no. song? You this is this is hilarious. You always bring me these covers of the songs that I play like because because I'll play the originals and people who know yeah. me maybe from from when I hang out on Twitch and play play guitar yeah. uh, that I'll play Gone Away or I'll play any of these tunes you did this randomly to me the other day on Twitch yes. with uh, a U2 song yes with Beautiful Day yes and I was like I had no idea that there was that cover and so you sent it to me and you do this all the time and I love it you'll seek out these like these obscure covers from these bands and uh, Beautiful Day is not an obscure song, but no. it's an obscure song for like a hard rock or a metal band to, to cover. Mm-hmm. And so you sent it to me. You do this all the time is what yes. I'm saying. Yes. I did not know Five Finger Death, Death Punch did yeah, a Gone Away it's, cover. It's, I don't know how I feel about it because Fair. Um, I definitely like Five Finger Death Punch's covers more than I like their original material. I think their, like their cover of Bad Company is it's awesome. Love it. Oh, nice. Okay. Um they kind of this is they kind of turn into a piano ballad oh interesting yeah i might check it out now i'm not sure like it's it's like i i give them credit for doing something different with it but i'm not sure if i if i liked it or not so i didn't know if you had heard it or not Um, no i'm gonna but now i'm gonna go find it because it's uh if if it's different i'm gonna want to listen to it Mm -hmm. uh i remember when i was in in a studio cutting what was supposed to be my first album with the band that was starting to go places. The producer we were working with wanted us to do an inverted cover. And an inverted cover for anyone who doesn't know is taking the original song, but flipping it in a genre on its head. So you want to take the song. Uh, we decided to do tragedy by the Bee Gees and we were going to turn it into like a more punk style song. And tragedy is a very disco driving, almost Rocky song. So we were on the cusp of it song. and it was there, but it wasn't there. And it's a great song. So um, we didn't end up doing it, but at the time we were going through all these inversion covers of bands who had taken like Fozzie did SOS, right? Mm-hmm. They did, they took Abba's SOS and they did a pretty good job oh, of it. I, I Boba like Flex that. took Sound of Silence. They did a good job with that. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they exist is what yes. I'm getting at. And if Five Finger Death Punch 
changed it up enough to make it kind of their own, but still leave the offspring version in there a bit. I want to hear that shit. And it's probably going to be real good. Yeah. Um, then we get uh, I Choose, which was the fourth and final single uh, off the album. Uh, and it peaked at number five on the mainstream rock chart, uh, but not included in the 2005 Greatest Hits compilation. I kind of get it. <laughs> I like the song, but yeah. it wasn't exactly. I, I want to know, was 97 an election year in the States? Do you remember? No, no. It would have been 90... 96? No, 96. Yeah. 96, yeah. That would have been an election song. Someone would have tried to, to, to use that right. as an election song, just based on the name I choose. But uh, um, no, instead, it's a good song. Like, yeah, I really it's a good do song. like that I song. I like the like the, the Latin percussion in, yeah. in the song. Um. And the second verse uh, it makes is a re- literary reference to a J.D. Salinger short story, A Perfect Day for Banana Fish. I didn't know that. Hmm. Uh, now you do. Makes sense considering Dexter Holland would have written all this. And, yeah. and Dexter Holland is a damn genius. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then we get to intermission, which is, again, just, just hilarious. It's uh, <laughs> The music is T for Two. A song from like 1924, uh, and if it sounds familiar, it's been used in like in the Looney Tunes, and they used it a lot on Johnny Carson. I guess if you're old enough to have watched Johnny Carson, um, if you're watching Looney Tunes, you're probably old enough <laughs> to remember Johnny Carson. Come on, come True. on. True. <laughs> uh, and it's just just that music, and then every so often, someone will go intermission. Ah, uh, uh. intermission. Because you can guess what they're doing during intermission. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then after the intermission is All I Want, which is the first single off the album. And this is the one that I remember best off of this album. Not Gone Away. This was the song that got me into this album. Okay. Um, it's the shortest single released by the band at a minute and 55 seconds. Get in, get out. It really is. It's very quick. And did you ever see the video for it? No. It's like all just disasters. Just these, just disasters. And I'll never forget seeing the opening is like a plane crash, like a 1920s plane crash, like a Wright Brothers Mm -hmm. plane crash. Um, And that alone just hooked me. I remember watching it as a kid on Much Loud, which used to be much music in Canada, mm-hmm. kind of like MTV. And then they split off into different channels. One was much loud, which was like alternative and metal and okay. alt and punk and all that. Yeah. So much loud would always play videos because much music at the time were starting to play more TV shows and movies and stuff like that. Oh, so okay. much loud would play random they videos. They really are the Canadian I, MTV then. They really, really <laughs> were. And now it's, now it's gone. Now it's done. Yeah. But at the time, this was 97, 98, whatever it was. I remember seeing the video for all I want and being like, this band is so good and this video is so good and just like my brain just all open and I wanted to get the album and I, I got it. You know where I got the album initially, by the way? Where did you get the album? From my public library. Nice. I had them bring it in because they were like fill out a form and we'll have it shipped in and you can rent it from the library and that's what I would do. I would go to the library, I get it and then I may or may not have illegally ripped it and then kept the CD. But, 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 but I supported my local library, which is more important. There you go. I, would say. I, so I support your local I, library. I, you know, I didn't do, I did the old school dub it onto a cassette. That was my move. That works too. Yeah. I just had a computer with a CD burner. There you so go. I'd rip them and I'd do that. There you go. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so uh, I guess originally Dexter wrote this uh, for a songwriting competition while they were still at Epitaph. And Weird. Sub- yeah, he submitted it, and uh, it was titled Protocol at the time, was was the title of the song. And uh, Gurowitz told him, uh, you should play it on acoustic or something. Like, Oh, God, no, that's <laughs> awful. So trying to tank him. So then he like, all right, fine. So he reworked it to sound more like the offspring and they, they put it on this album and added bonus wrestling connection. Ready for this? Yes, I am. This is going to be the most obscure. This is going to be more obscure. So I had, I had Phil Lindsay on in December, right? And we were talking about queen and uh, saw that one. It was very good. By yes. The way. People need to go and watch that. So, find so, right, so right my pull this. about the guy, <laughs> the song millionaire, millionaire waltz, which was about their manager and that manager in the, uh, was played by, uh, in the, the Elton John movie, rocket man was the villain from 12 rounds. <laughs> the John Cena movie. <laughs> that was an obscure pull. That's very obscure. I love it. This one may be more obscure. This song is used as the entrance music for a DDT wrestler named, I'm going to butcher, Tui Kojima. Oh, interesting. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. I'm all down for the DDT references. It's there been a go. long time. There Here we go. go. That's right. Um, but I can see why he called it protocol. If he didn't change the lyrics, right? Like back mm-hmm. off your rules, back off your jive. Because uh, I'm not sick of living to stay alive. Leave me alone. Not asking a lot. I just don't want to be controlled. Like that is that's mm-hmm. protocol. And he's yeah. like, break me away from protocol. Yeah. I, I I get it. That's what he wanted to call it initially. Yeah. Uh, and then we get way down the line. Um, maybe I love that song. By the way, it's a good song. Uh, the, just the opening with the choral. Yes. The yes. choral arrangement. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then the ending is maybe like the the kind of the first dip in their toe in the water of of maybe we're kind of sort of going to start ripping off some classic rock songs. Cause uh, the last like 30 <laughs> seconds is, is, is clearly dire maker by Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the whole, uh, why don't you get a job? Oh, bloody, oh, blada thing on Americana. So <laughs> that's when they figured, that's when they figured it out. Exactly. That's such a good song. The way down the line is such a like easygoing mm-hmm. go to work song. Yeah. You know, it's good. Yeah. I like it. Uh, don't pick it up. This is probably my least favorite song on the album. It's like a ska song without the horns. It is, but it's also just again lyrical content. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, it, it it's like a bunch of illegal stuff and a kid picking up a piece of dog shit. Like it's mm-hmm. it's very, it, it's funny. I liked it. Yeah, but it it's very uh, inconsequential to the rest of the album. Yes. Um, amazed. This is definitely their more, uh, like like a more alt rock sounding song this may Um, have been the song that i skipped most of the time really i think so i need to go back and like full-on listen to it again but i remember being like nah because like even change the world i was trying to remember what it really sounded like when before i went in to listen and i remember like amaze was like "Mm." i really like the 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 guitar uh riff the the picking and stuff I, i i really liked it oh good point yeah I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna go back and like really, there you go. Really listen to it again. Really listen. Really. Listen and then to we it. we we end on change the world. Uh, yeah. There's a hidden track. Uh, so those of you who who aren't old enough to have lived through CDs and cassettes, they used to do things where I mean there might be some. I might I might have some 
young youngins watching, maybe, hopefully. Uh, but they used bands used to do this thing where like you'd listen to the last song and like you'd expect the CD to stop, but it just kept going and going and going and going, and there'd be these hidden tracks. It's kind of weird listening to it on streaming now because it's like, why wouldn't you just take that out and just make a, a separate? Just it's called hidden track. Yeah. But uh, then you got to pay it out. That's the problem. Well, there you go. Uh, and this, uh, it's not really even a track. It's just they get to the end and it's uh, Larry Bud Melman of David Letterman fame. I wasn't a Letterman fan. So, sure. I, whatever. Sure. Shout out to him. Uh, <laughs> it just go. It's just him. It sounds like an older gentleman saying, I think you guys should try heavy metal. Kiss my ass. Ha ha ha. I remember that. It's the same thing at the end of uh, Why Don't You Get a Job? Now, that's something everyone can enjoy. Yeah, there you go. It's probably the same dude. Probably so, is, actually. So there you go. That's the album. I really, I as much as, like I said, I didn't wasn't really familiar, I loved listening to this album over the last week or so. You know, I listened to it quite a few diff- quite a few times. So I think everyone should go check it out. It's, it's really good. I agree. It, it changed my life in a lot of ways there. for the better because – as I was a kid trying to figure out what kind of music really spoke to me and what mm-hmm. I enjoyed, I knew I was enjoying the Metallicas mm-hmm. and like that, that version of heavy metal, the thrashier metal. Mm-hmm. And I was like, nah, let's, let's tone it down a bit. And the offspring was the good starting point for me to tone, tone down my musical tastes a bit and try something different. And I started getting into punk bands and into ska bands and into like pop punk. So this was, this was an album that started to do it for me. It's a gate. It's a gateway away from metal and into something less metal there you go i just the the, i mean just listen to the drums though on on uh uh um uh hold on what i lost meaning of life just (laughs) and and think of thinking of that being toning it down just kind of pops me but but that's the thing like it it, you're right like it totally (laughs) is like yes it's very heavy but it's also not heavy metal, double no, right. bass drum, you right. know, getting into that. I, I get it. There are people who are going to be watching this and being like, the hell is he saying? Yeah. But I'm saying if you listen to right. one and you get to the breakdown and, yes. and one by Metallica, it's very different than what this is. Yes. Right. Yes. And right. also the rest of the album tones down a bit, too. It's mm-hmm. it's not metal, but it's still heavy. It's yes. just not as heavy. Right. Yeah. Yes. And imagine being a kid and you, you're just listening to some of these lyrics and being like, because it's some of it's just jokey and sarcastic. Mm-hmm. And I liked that as a kid. Maybe I was just a messed up kid, but I really I enjoyed the lyrical content. I didn't I didn't understand it the ways that I would now. And I'm sure as I go back and re-listen to the album more and more, I'm just like, holy shit, like there is some deep actual content here. But when I was a kid, mm-hmm. it was just face value, words and words. Right. Yeah. It's a good album, though. Great it is. Album. It's a very good album. Very good. Had album. to talk about it. Had 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 to had to talk about it with you. Yes. And I appreciate you bringing me on to talk about it. I appreciate you coming on to talk about it. You're a very busy man these days. No, I'm not. What are you talking about? <laughs> I got nothing left to do today. I'm just going to edit some video. <laughs> so, uh, so tell me about Fightful Overbooked, Joel. Fightful Overbooked is a place that is completely different from wrestling content that you normally see. The stuff you see on Fightful is very wrestling. Uh, It's serious wrestling, but it's not. Right. So like people who are familiar with Sean Ross Sapp knows how he 
frames a lot of the conversations he has. He'll have serious conversations on a post show or with his co-host about pro wrestling and then sprinkle in jokes or life stories and, you know, calls himself the Dong Lord. He doesn't take things as seriously. Right. But the way I take wrestling is as theater, as comedy, as entertainment. It is, it's not sport to me. Right. But it might be with others. Mm -hmm. So Fightful Overbooked is an opportunity for me to not only bring on the pals to talk about wrestling in weird and wacky ways, but it's also a way for us to take it not so seriously. And that's the way we, we positioned Overbooked. There's mm -hmm. other stuff on the channel. People talking about Degrassi. People talking about... Uh, uh, about their dating life and their experiences. There's Twitch gaming for, you know, people who are familiar with Fightful on Twitch. Mm -hmm. uh, we put our gaming VODs on there, especially the wrestling stuff. And yeah, it's it's just, it's different content. We call it the Ocho, lovingly. Yes. It's Fightful the Ocho, but uh, that's, uh, that, that's overbooked. And I know you're going to come on and do something with us very soon. Uh, yes, I I have some ideas. Uh, I'm so ready. Um, But, uh, yeah, you, you, uh, Tim and Joel call it a ring have, has moved, migrated over to Fightful Overbooked as part, part of that. So, um, that was in the contract. There you go. When we negotiated, I said, I'm not doing any work unless I bring Tim with me. And Tim was, no, wait, what are you doing? Why do you want me to come with you? And I said, I need a video editor. <laughs> no, but seriously, Tim and I had a talk when we were offered and that we were really, really appreciative that we can bring this, bring our voices to Fightful and, uh, and, and, and also bring our pals with us. So it's, yeah, it's so, really neat. Yeah. Really Joel's, cool. Joel's hosting a, a, a multitude of shows or co-hosting uh grappy hour. And was it the, the best worst thing or the... <laughs> uh, so bad? It's good. So bad. It's good. There it is. Yes. Which by the way is like the most, the most uh, edited show that we do, the most post-produced. It has a lot of really funny content there. I, I need to go uh, check out the video. Yeah. Cause I only, I, you know, I listened to the audio. That's right. Uh, you got to watch the video. I it, do. It creates a totally different uh, scene for those who, who are not used to it. So. Uh, we're going to be starting. Uh, Here's why you're wrong with myself and, uh, and Kate, who people know from Fightful, her and I are going to debate random topics. Uh, the first week, the video, when this drops, doesn't matter. The first one we're doing is NXT 1.0 versus 2.0. And we basically just go at each other's throats about NXT for a bit. And we'll, we'll get let into Let me guess. Let me guess. Kate's on the side of 2.0, obviously. You know, you'd think I would do that to her, but I wanted to spare her spare her the embarrassment. And I took 2.0. And I did my best and made it as weird and wacky as I could. Of course. Of course. Yeah. So. And there's a whole whack of stuff. Just go to youtube.com slash fightful overbooked or fightfuloverbooked.com and that has everything there. All the contents there. Definitely. Definitely go check that out. Uh you can follow uh Joel at, at Joel Pearl. You can follow me on Twitter at Ibanez Chris. Uh you can uh like my Facebook page, music Facebook.com slash music moonsaults, or you can look me up on a multitude of, of podcast platforms to get the audio of this here podcast. Uh, please subscribe to the channel. Leave me a thumbs up, all that good kind of stuff, please. Thank you. Uh, until next time, guys. See ya. <laughs>